If you want to take your kettlebell coaching career to the next level, consider getting certified with Libestock. Check the first link in the description. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another episode of the Kettle Knights podcast, and I have with me Bud Charniga, a weightlifting sports scientist. And I've mentioned his blog, the Sportivni Press. Dot com um, a lot on this podcast because it ref, uh, it there are interesting references of course it's all about weightlifting but there's also interesting references to kettlebell training that we can apply as well and especially there was this one article that I read thoroughly where uh, Bud talks about the muscles of the shank and then I reached out to him and Bud said yes I'm down for a podcast so Bud welcome to the podcast thank you Awesome. So please, um, we always do the same thing when we get started. Uh, please give us your background. Where are you coming from? Uh, what are your credentials in weightlifting? How do you get started? And where are you right now? Uh, I got started as a, a teenager. Many years ago, uh, there was a magazine that was published in the United States called Strength and Health. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was on the newsstand. And I saw that, I got interested, and then I, um, I don't remember where I got the weights, but I started lifting and then began entering local competitions. But this Strength and Health was the only um, written information available about uh, weightlifting. And as the years went by, and you realize you're not, you don't really know that much about what you're doing, we really didn't have much of the way of coaches. I, uh, articles appeared in the Strength and Health, translated from uh, Russian into English. Mm. So we realized there was a technical, um, some guys doing technical work on weightlifting. And as it turned out, the Soviet Union had a, a ton of people, many, mm. many PhDs, many coaches, and they were developing the science of weightlifting. Um, Sort of late in my career, I went and um, to the Soviet Union with a student tour, and that was in 1979. And I um, met some coaches firsthand. I went to bookstores. Mm -hmm. I bought books off the shelf, and then I came back, and then I began translating these books mm -hmm. and these articles from these books. So I accumulated a library, which I assume is the biggest of its kind, which isn't very big, in the Western Hemisphere of this literature. And there were many, many guys who who studied weightlifting. Mm. And at the time I went there in the, in the late 70s, they had about 400,000 lifters. So it was wow. a big sport. Wow. It eventually it eventually declined along with the Soviet Union mm. in popularity because of sports like hockey and tennis, and then people could get out and be, be professional. So they weren't paying that much money in weightlifting. So they lost a lot of um, you know, high-class athletes. At that time in the 70s, they had a, a large proportion of really high-class athletes because that was a big thing. That was a big thing. But these technical articles, biomechanics, mm. um, how to train, a little bit about nutrition. Of course, if you've seen the Soviet Union, you would see that... Uh, that was an important thing. Just to give you like an aside, one of the books I translated actually um, with the guys who wrote it were in uh, Kiev in Ukraine. And um, 
they mentioned how a weightlifter would get enough calories to train. Mm-hmm. It was 4,000, I don't know what it was, say 4,000 calories and how you would get your uh, protein. And in this article, they mentioned to get you enough calories, you needed almost a pound of sugar and uh, things like fruit compote, meaning if you read between the lines, this is what was available to people. You didn't just go into the store and find big blobs of steak. And if you did go into a store in the Soviet Union, you had to go into a bread store for bread, a meat store for meat. Hmm. Okay. If you found eggs in the store, it would be like a, like a, a couple at a time. Nothing that you would expect like in the, except for some of the outer places like Georgia, Armenia and stuff where they had plenty of food. But in the big cities, they didn't. I remember seeing lines Somebody set up a stand on the sidewalk in the Soviet Union and um, he had some bananas and then a massive line formed to get bananas. And wow. when the bananas were gone, that was the end of the bananas, you know. <laughs> wow. It's so rare, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and then also people would carry about a, um, I call them like a fishnet bag. They're like a little bag that's made of, um, of string. And if you put something in it, it stretches out. So the more you put in it, the bag gets bigger. Well, people carried these around all the time because you never knew what was available. Hmm. And you always had a bag. You constantly, like every day you, you go to, to and from work, you're always shopping because you don't know what's in the stores. Wow. Just so anyways, that was the, the basis. Yeah. But on the same token, they had some brilliant people. And you could get a PhD in weightlifting. You could get your doctorate in how the bar moved in snatch or pull. Wow. Yeah. So... You can get a you can get a doctorate in uh, the high jump. Okay, so we had tons of these people, these technical people, hmm. and weightlifting. The technical part of weightlifting spread because what the Soviet Union did is they they sent out guys. Okay, they sent out somebody to Poland and showed the Polish people how to lift. They would send a coach to Romania. A guy by the name of Boschko. Uh, developed the weightlifting in uh, Romania. They didn't know anything about the technical parts of weightlifting. I was recently in Havana a few weeks back, mm, mm. and the guy they sent to uh, Cuba, I saw a picture of him. His name was Muehlberg. He showed the Cubans weightlifting. So the knowledge part of weightlifting started with the Russians. It started with those um, those sports scientists, those specialists, mm-hmm. and that's how the knowledge spread. And then it, it, it would be the same thing with, you know, with... Uh, kettlebells and stuff. I don't know who invented kettlebells. I heard recently that somebody in Russia um, what do you call it? Patented? Not patented but trademarked that name. So technically you can't use that name. Ah, the name kettlebell? Yeah. There's a company in Italy. They called them. They had. They were making them and out of rubber and uh, a very really high composition rubber and then they, they told me they couldn't use that word anymore so they called them um, K-bells. Really? Yeah, you have, you have to realize what? something. What, what what communism? And I got a real. I, I was in the Soviet Union twice. Okay, mm-hmm. but in, in Cuba, you get a real eye opener of what this, what happens under communism. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, in um, the, the state owns everything. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. the state collapsed in 1991, you know they owned the the uh, trademarks all the trademarks, all the patents, they own the copyrights. So the authors never even owned the copyrights to the books. So it was like, it was chaotic for a while until they organized that Mm -hmm. because the state owned everything. The same in Cuba, the state owns everything. Mm -hmm. So um, 
that's why these places stagnate. But but likewise, there were you know people doing kettlebell you know studies too, yeah. along with that, along with, with with weightlifting. But the main thing was the Olympic sports using weightlifting to train for Olympic sports and so on. And so that's where the technical knowledge came from. I translated about 16 books and I don't know how many um, articles and, and weightlifting. And those are, I, uh, I reference those a lot. I'm still referencing those. And, and mm -hmm. I still find yep. stuff yep. that they that they did. For instance, um, there was a lot of height, weight, um, determinations who could be a weightlifter so if you were going to lift at um, 67 and a half kilos they figured you can only fit into that with a height range and there were many tables that were produced by different sports scientists this is what uh, as tall as a weightlifter can be so you got the idea the weightlifters could only be short mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. dating back to the era when there was a press when there was absolute strength that was true but recently, I was in uh, Greece about a year and a half ago, and there was a guy who, a Ukrainian boy who broke the world records in snatch and jerk, was 195 centimeters. And there's no record of anybody being able to be He's that tall. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they need, you needed so many muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so there's some general background. I'll just, I'll just drone on and then. Yeah, you just keep, you just, yeah, you just keep going now. I'm listening. It, it, it's yeah, fascinating. No, no, but you, yeah. uh, if you have a question, interject the question because I did, you know. But anyways, the ideas are when you lift, okay, when you pick a weight up off the floor, your, your joints, as the angle changes, the leverage changes, the muscle mm -hmm. actions change. Mm -hmm. So that's what's called biomechanics, the, the, the kinetics, the kinesiology of you is what muscles you're using when. Mm -hmm. And so the, the original theories came out based on these, what they would use a, uh, an EMG, they would have something on your mm -hmm. muscles, generating electrical activity, they put a goniometer on your joints, you'd stand on a force platform, uh, they put something on the bar, they would, ch they would trace the, the uh, tracing of the bar, how its path it moved. You know, in physics, the, the shortest distance between two lines is a straight line. In weightlifting, it's a curve. So we take a longer way against gravity. It, it doesn't. It doesn't move in a straight line. Oh, so these and, are the things. Yeah, and my question would be: but the idea is to keep it as, or as in a straight line as possible. It's still a curve, but you want to keep it as close to the center of mass as possible, right? So you want to try to follow this straight move, line. Yeah, it can't move mm -hmm. outside of a reasonable. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah. A reasonable yeah. trajectory. Yeah. But the idea that you had to move it in a straight line dates back to the 40s. And because when people, the, the technique was, let me just say, technique wasn't invented then. And then, you know, when they have thousands and thousands of lifters, they see people, and when they started doing these analysis and tracing bars and stuff, they realized that to take advantage of the leverages, it isn't mm -hmm. so much a straight line, it's to take advantage. Like as soon as you start lifting something off the floor, the leverage changes the muscles in your legs. The first muscles you use in weightlifting are, are soleus, your ankle muscles, mm -hmm. because you're straightening your shin. Your shin is bent. Yeah, your shin yeah, is yeah. tilted forward. So yeah. to pull your shin back, those are the first muscles. 
And that's why these ideas about these articles I have about um, how these people decide not to use the shin is crazy. Yeah, yeah crazy stuff. Okay. We, ha we have to jump into this in a little bit more detail. But my, my question would be, uh, but um, in kettlebells, we have a similar idea or a similar um, pattern. When you press the kettlebell overhead, you use leverage. So you, you keep the kettlebell close to your body, then you press it, then you extend your uh, up uh, the T-spine, so you move your body away from the weight to press it up, and then you go back inside the alignment with your upper body. But the idea is you want to follow this straight line. So there is still truth behind it, right? So the idea is if yeah, you want to move... That is, that's, that's totally different. See, in the jerk, when you jerk the weight overhead, you want a straight line. It's the same in kettlebell. Okay, okay. So understand? Because now yeah. the center of mass... Okay, your balance point yeah rises and you can't you there, there is no there's, there, there's really uh, not much of a deviation from the straight line you can make from the floor yes but once you get the weight and weight of thing on your chest or what you're doing same difference it's got to be a straight line because mm -hmm. you, you won't be able to hold it it'll be out it isn't even the balance it's the point where you can't you can't uh, there's too much strain on your shoulder girl yeah in here and here's yeah and here's another question but so great that we talk about this so there are people who say listen the reason why i press outside my center of mass or not not in a straight line for example in this in this half circle way away from the body is the reason why i do it is because i want to engage more muscle and therefore i will build more strength how much truth is behind this statement i don't know there may be but you might want to keep your shoulder girls <laughs> you might want to use it someday you know, to wipe your <laughs> okay. nose or something. You understand? You want to, you want to do that. You want to move it out. Okay, you want to move it out. Mm. The, mm. the 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 moment on your joints is going to increase exponentially. It's going to go the further. Exactly, you, exactly. But the same way, lifting, you can't, you couldn't do that. Somebody who lifts, for instance, three hundred percent of body weight, it has to be so precise to get it yeah. over your head, because it's a, a tiny deviation. Mm. Okay, you can't mm. hold it on your head. Mm. Even Lasha. People don't realize that Lasha Kalakadze yeah. lifts this guy. the lightest. Listen, he lifts the lightest, biggest weights because it's only 150% of body weight. So, not to take anything away from him, mm -hmm. it's nowhere it. near yeah. as difficult. It. You understand? It's nowhere difficult to lift um, for him 267. You know, finally broke the world record 267 than it is for somebody. Who's lifting at three hundred percent? The guy who's doing three hundred percent—it's exponentially more mm. difficult. So that, for, for example, somebody like Lu Xiaoyan. No, the Ohm, the greatest clean jerker in history is Ohm from from North Korea. He cleaned it so many times and jerked it so many times. Okay, and it's a shame that this COVID hit and everything else because it pretty much ended his career. Oh. But that mm. skill. It's the same thing you're doing. When you're picking up something with one hand mm -hmm. over your head, you've got to maintain a very narrow corridor. Okay, one for efficiency, and the other one you want to blow your joints in, particularly shoulders. Mm -hmm. You want to blow your shoulder joint, you move it out. Move it away from that. But, but you know, the funny thing is that there is still, or let's put it like this. In the kettlebell world, we have two camps, so to speak. We have one camp that says, listen, we press the weight up in a straight line because we want to mimic weightlifters, even though we can say, even though a 16 kg or a 32 kg, 
and let's be very strong and use a 40 kg, right? It's not near the same amount of weight than a weightlifter presses or jerks. I get that. But still we have the one camp that says, go up in a straight line, and I'm rather in that camp. And then we have the other guys who say, no, we, we move outside. But you're saying, yes, but there's a detriment to the shoulder at the end of the day, even though we use lighter weights. Yeah, it's, it, you know, I'd have to see what they're saying, but I mean, it's, um, it's always the same, it's always the same, um, the same, um, discussion point. If I go outside, more muscle is active, therefore more work done. And my conclusion would be from a, let's say a very limited biomechanical analysis is yes, you're doing unnecessary effort. Yeah. And like I said, in lifting it overhead and lifting it from the floor, two different things. Mm. You can have a curvilinear and the bar moves in and moves away from the body because of the yeah. changes in leverage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That long, it's like a long going the long way home, but that's more efficient than trying to lift it in a straight line. Overhead, totally different. Whether it's a barbell or anything, it's totally different overhead. You have to maintain something, mm. particularly if you're doing something with one hand, mm. especially with one hand. Mm. And and what do you make of this of a statement that says, I do not want to be efficient. I want to work inefficient to get more muscle to to act and to be become stronger. What do you make of a statement like this? Well, I hope they have good health insurance. <laughs> okay. Yes, especially with these heavy weights, right? When you're young, but when, you're, you know, when, yeah. when you're young, you could do stupid things, okay? Hmm. You don't know how stupid they are until you get old, and then those injuries come back. <laughs> okay. You see, that, that that's so funny, because in the kettlebell world, there are these two camps, and, and they it's it's kind of like a little battle going on. It's not a battle. I, I wouldn't use it like this, but he, here's my just my analysis. When I look at the guys who say stuff like this, my only um, gripe with their with what they say is as as soon as you ignore efficiency and you move out of the line and say listen i don't want to work efficient i want to work as inefficient as possible to be to build as much strength as possible this is where i it just doesn't make a lot of sense to be or maybe i'm missing something no and that's um the word that's not in there is safety hmm. you understand the word that isn't in there is they don't put in there is safety, okay? Because out, outside some reasonable, outside some reasonable trajectory, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're living on borrowed time. Your joints are. If you saw that, I think I sent you um, a video I took in uh, Kiev. Yeah, the jugglers, the kettlebell jugglers. Yeah. By the way, there's, there's, I just, I, I think I just sent you three part one. There's three parts that way. Mm -hmm. Not the sudden. What do you see? The woman. Mm -hmm. You should see mm -hmm. what the woman did when they come out. But if you look at what those guys do, they keep it close to their body, or they're moving their body with the with the kettlebell. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they're, they're not sitting there just hanging it over their head like that to blow their shoulder out and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're they're it's it's very mechanically efficient. Mm -hmm. They're moving the kettlebell and their body. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if that part was, but the guy throws it behind his head. You see that? Yeah, I the think so. Throws, yeah, mm -hmm. the old man throws it and catches it in the back of his neck and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has a, that has a lot of carryover to athletics because you're moving body and weight. See, in weightlifting, you move body and weight. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You move body, and the, the highest part of the skill, the highest speed you can in weightlifting is when you move around the weight, when you jump down under it. Mm-hmm. So you that's the Russians would call that. You have internal work, and external work. Mm-hmm. External work is what you the work you do when you you move an external object, you pick something mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. you're moving it somewhere. But internal work is how you move when you're moving your own body parts. So in weightlifting, it's a combination of picking something up, doing external work on something in the environment. The other one is moving your body, which is totally different. But you're mm-hmm. still holding on to a weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. There's certain there's yeah. elements of that in kettlebell, not as yeah. much, but there's elements of that. But when you move your body, people look at the reason there's so many injuries in this country is they and all these. I don't know if you're aware of it, but these these rooms they have these these collegiate rooms, these professional weight rooms are just four racks and benches and machines. Yeah, the yeah. restricted motion, very low skill, very low skill exercises, and then yeah. they go out and try to run around on a football field or something and fall apart. And that's a, yeah, and and we can segue a little bit into this, uh, but yeah, it's 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 what you laid out in the article. Uh, muscles in the shank and for those who are watching I'm going to put the article in the in the description and for those who are on Spotify uh, you just have to uh, I'll put it in the description as well so um, and let me just uh, backtrack backtrack a little bit from what I understand uh, from what I read from your article which is very technical and, and that's uh, actually that's what I like about um, it, it's uh, it almost has scientific language because you're, you you, t- you take the muscles apart or the, the movements and, and, and the joint actions apart, similar to Dr. Michael Yeses. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I've yeah, had a com- yeah, I've had a conversation a conversation with him because I got into the work of Dr. Yuri Verkhoshansky, and then I've learned about Dr. Michael Yeses, and then through my digging, that's how I find found then your blog, Sportive Me Press, as well. So in your blog, you are uh, talking about the idea that you have an NBA player, uh, or, or an NFL player, or an NBA player at least, who's doing, I think you've, you've demonstrated two images of two NBA players who did a small di- di- directional change, I think, with their knees or with their feet, and then their Achilles heel popped or something bad happened. They had a, there, was a, there was a female... In the last week, a female NBA, WNBA blew her Achilles, hmm. just pushing off her back leg. And so, the here. Let, let me just stop it, man. Uh, yeah, please, yeah just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Yep. So first, most people would never have heard of Verkoshansky, but I translated his two books. Hmm. Then people heard about him. Hmm. I translated two of his books. Okay, he was an academic who mostly re- a, a classroom guy. Okay. He didn't invent um, biometric training. A guy by the name of Ozalan mm-hmm. did, another Russian, mm-hmm. who was heavy in track and field. Mm-hmm. But be that as it may, mm-hmm. um, how you gather and relate information is it, it, completely different once you're into this uh, Soviet thinking. Okay, I spoke with a guy, a very famous guy, you've never heard of who was a weightlifting biomechanics, very clever guy. So I learned a lot about weightlifting, studying animals, okay? So these articles, many of these articles that I put up are based on studies with animals, okay? 
at how animals can jump so far, how they can run so fast. The main reason is they have no coaches. There's no doctors. There's no therapists. You don't hear about cheetahs laying around on the tundra with Achilles ruptures, okay? No. Okay. okay. But what happens is once you get a bunch of people thinking in one direction, doctors, therapists, and they're all thinking the same thing, don't bend. You only bend a certain way. That's how those guys blew their ankles out. Blew their ankles. Technically, you can't do that. The, according to the, uh, they, they're called tendons, bio, uh, tough, bio, they classify them as tough biomaterials. And the, the, the limits, okay, the strain limits that would cause them to break. Let's say if I just put my hand up, it's like here on a graph, right? Mm -hmm. This is the limit. This is going to cause your tendons to break. Mm -hmm. The maximum your body can put strain on them is down here. So it's actually impossible. It's like a safety factor. They're too strong to break. So suddenly all these people are breaking tendons. There's something wrong. You can't, you can't break. No one that I know of in weightlifting has ever even heard of a Achilles rupture, let alone seen one. And there's an exponentially higher stress strain on your Achilles tendon in weightlifting, doing a clean or a snatch, okay? Than there is in uh, football or somebody just running around. Like I said, there was a woman in, in the WNBA Eruption Achilles, and it's it's these rupture, Achilles ruptures that do happen mostly happen to men. Then suddenly they're saying, oh, "Well, we see a couple in women. Now you're going to see more and more because the more and more because the people restrict motion and decide you only need to use these muscles. You only need to bend so far." And and my question would be, but uh, if I may interject, why do they say such things? Why does that notion even exist? They're smarter than the rest of us, okay? And there's there's a you have this um, this the academic level where they think they're smarter than us and they learn something and then they fixate on it and they they teach kids stuff and then they regurgitate it and that's how that becomes knowledge. Okay, that I, becomes which, knowledge, which I do understand to a certain extent. But they I, don't I, have the heuristic; they're not in the gym. And and that and that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, you you are yes, you are you have this. Let's say these think tanks. You have people coming together, thinking up a bunch of stuff. Okay, good stuff, good. And then we put it in the classrooms, good. But then we actually realize and see the results that hey, this doesn't actually produce the results that we want, or even worse. No, no, the, pro the problem is people like you and I see it. They don't. There's a big issue. I'm just writing another article about. Um, I'm going to try and submit it outside my uh, website. All the women that, are, that have hit the dust, bit the dust in the uh, world's uh, soccer tournament, before the tournament, American girls who tore ACLs. There's nothing on the, a strain on your uh, on your knee is nothing in soccer compared to weightlifting, and we don't get those injuries. Over a period of seven years, the doctors who kept track of the um, injury rate at the European Weightlifting Championship. Seven years, I don't know how many lifters, 900 some men, almost 500 women. There were zero knee injuries amongst women. And you're out there straining your guts out for in a competition, yeah. Yeah. okay? So people don't look at that. That's why these the, the, the articles I did are I call reverse engineering. Instead of saying, look at, I believe you shouldn't bend, so you don't bend. Mm -hmm. I'm smarter than you. I'm a doctor. I'm smarter than you. Okay, mm -hmm. and I can do some calculations that show you shouldn't bend. 
The other way is, wait a minute, all these people who do bend don't get injured. Exactly. The people, exactly. The yeah. people who don't bend get injured. So, so that's where you, you start yeah. with the people who sh who should be injured. Okay. The <laughs> who way are not? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Who are not? In, okay. So it's it. There's, but that's that's like Soviet thinking. That's Marx's the uh, thinking where you think it's philosophy. Science is philosophy, and many people said that Da Vinci. Um, mm -hmm. Many people, great scientists, said you, you don't have science if you have no logic. Okay, so if it, it doesn't have any logic, but, they, with, but it, 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 this stuff about not bending has no logic, but they confuse it as science. It is, and that's the problem. It's an opinion. Then, yeah, you, you're going to see at least you're going to see if you follow. I'm not going. I might haven't followed, but I guarantee you, there's going to be somebody go down. One of those women are going to go down in the World Cup. At least one or more. With an ACL injury playing World Cup soccer this in this tournament goes on. They can't get through a tournament without somebody hitting the dust and they barely bend their legs. If you look at the amount of, amount of bending in the knee, yeah. your knee can go from like uh, straight at say 180 degrees and mm -hmm. you go down maybe 50. They never approach 90, like a half bend, okay? Yeah. They never approach 90. No. And that's when they're blowing their knees out, okay? And they're blowing their joints out. You look at weightlifting, the stress weightlifters put on their knees. And I have in some yeah. of those articles, if you go to some of those articles, I have, uh, and I, I'm careful to put these videos up because I don't want someone making fun of, of uh, or trying to humiliate an athlete. But they're, they're put up because I want people to understand that this is amazing and this is something you, that's a point of start, start, <clears throat> starting point. How can somebody fall and not get hurt? And they have, they're falling down with a barbell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They and, fall down the barbell. There was one in Bogota. I was just in at the World Championships. This woman slipped, and I haven't I haven't put that online. I don't want people making fun of her, but it was unbelievable. She slipped, and she kind of fell into a hurdler stretch, with her legs straightened out, and then the weight grazed her forehead. The weight hit her on the way down, 121 kilos, and before the doctor could get on the stage, she had got up and walked away. You know, that, the sight of that would kill a football player. <laughs> of course. They, he, he, they he would die watching. They would die watching. Yeah, <laughs> yes. They wouldn't even, the guy on the bench would be injured. You understand? So Most these definitely. Things, when you see yeah. enough of these, when you see enough of these, you realize this is where you start. And then you, you look at uh, injuries and why they shouldn't be. And if you look at all of the, the, the logic as to why someone gets injured and for instance, in, even when, in what you're doing with kettlebells and stuff, you're stretching ligaments as tendons. Mm -hmm. Ligaments and tendons are springs. So it's mm -hmm. good that you do that. That's a safety factor. Mm -hmm. So people here believe, and the academics believe, that you shouldn't stretch ligaments. It'll get loose. Yeah. And if they're loose, then they won't work. And it's just the opposite. When you stretch them, they, they, they get more springy. Mm -hmm. If you don't stretch them, they don't get so springy. Mm -hmm. That's part of your aging process. Let me tell you something. As you get older, your body loses the springiness. You lose you lose the elasticity, mm -hmm. and uh, you can see it in animals and everything else. You know. So um, limiting movement, and j let, let's just put it like this, and and that's my shallow understanding of it. Limiting movement of a joint doesn't matter what what kind it is make sense if there is an acu acute injury if there is something that um keeps you if there's pain or whatever whatever happened an injury 
that keeps you from moving that joint into its full from into its full capacity or bending the joint or whatever have you. So I understand from that point in in our in our uh, gym, we sometimes have people who have so much so painful knees that they cannot bend them to a certain extent. And then what we do is then we just build we do squats, but we do I call them we call them back squats where they push the hips back, and the knees do bend, but the the shin stays almost vertical. It, it moves a little bit, but it Right. The worst, worst thing you can do. It's the worst thing you can do. It's the worst thing you can do. Once I was in the when I was in the Soviet Union, I was a hundred kilo. I was talking to this guy. I was in a gym in St. Peter, Leningrad. Then, anyway, so the guy mm -hmm. um, was about my weight, and he took two hundred kilos off the rack in a back squat, and he squatted down, and then he, in a full squat, he pushed his ankles forward and back, just to stretch out. With 200 kilos on his back, <laughs> yeah. stood up with it. So it doesn't hurt you. It's when yeah, you stop. And, and, um, let, 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 me just, let me just finish so you understand. Yeah, yeah, keep Look going. It. Keep going. Yep. All right. Yep. The closer you are to a link, like an arm, okay? The closer you are to horizontal, what they call the larger the moment force. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you put your arm out straight, mm -hmm. when you're, when you're at, at 90 degrees, uh, the length of this lever is so long. There's a massive pressure on your on your shoulder. It's less. It's less. It's less. It's less. Okay. So when you squat and you stop halfway, you may that's the the angle that's the most pressure on your knee. When you squat all the way down, there's the least. They call it. There's a guy who wrote. Uh, you have to look it up. I, I references. All those articles have references. He's a German guy. His name is Hartmann, and he did some studies in the 2013. He said, look, at when you squat all the way down, he said the ligaments do, and the, the meniscus do what's called a wrapping effect. If you squat all the way down, and you're, they wrap around in such that the, when you're in a full squat, you have all the support, which you don't have with 90 degrees. All you have is pressure at 90 degrees. So stopping at 90 degrees makes it worse. Squatting all the way down, your ligaments automatically. You have to use some common sense. You go around the world. How do you think people work in the fields? How do you think you you squat all the way down and uh, yeah 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 you, most definitely you pick rice yeah. and everything? It doesn't yeah, yeah. make any sense. Yeah yeah. If you've yeah. been any place, yeah. I remember talking to a woman at the IWF was saying she was at an airport in Tokyo, and she saw people who were waiting for a flight. They were they were sleeping in a squat position. <laughs> Yeah. I'm saying, if it was bad, people look at look at people, Japanese people that kneel. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, most definitely. But All right, so let, me, let me let me give you another one yeah, example. Look at yeah. this guy over here. We had a guy in the early part of the century, last century, Babe Ruth, who was this great athlete. He was a pitcher. He was a hitter. One of the greatest players ever played baseball. So it's 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 ever since his time, somebody couldn't be a hitter and a pitcher. Okay, you nobody have it. So anyway, we get this guy over here. His name was Otani from Japan, and here's another Babe Ruth, a guy that can pitch the ball, and he can hit. So they just they first of all they blow his elbow out, making him let him throw too hard, and they have to have the ligaments repaired in his elbow. They throw, and while he's waiting, they decide that his knees hurt when he squats, and so he needs knee surgery. He has some type of deviation in his structure of his knee which they thought was causing his pain for his squat but you know how they made him squat halfway down he didn't have any pain in japan 
Do you understand the stupidity of that? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to, this is how you do your back squats here. You don't bend down all the way. So that's when all the pressure is on your knee. So we're going to decide we're going to operate on your knee. <laughs> yeah. That's how these things happen. It can only happen here. My, only in America. Okay. It can only happen in America. Yeah, yeah. Or, or in Europe, right? Or in Japan. Well. Look, when he's in Japan, he has no problem. He's squatting. He he kneels to eat. You understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But somebody says, "Look, look, you only bend this far, and if you stop here, you'll be safe." When it's just the opposite. Another okay. article I recommend I recommend you look at is why safe is unsafe. It's under original articles. I think it is. I don't know. I have so many up there. I forget where I put it. Yeah. Why, why safe, safe is, is unsafe? Uh, yeah. yeah. Even if you just type it in Google. Yeah, you'll find it. We'll we'll and so find you it, see yeah. the stupid things people do. You know, they're training uh, girl soccer players or uh, volleyball players. They put these ropes on them and them run around on the grass on all fours. You know, that's getting, that's getting you ready for volleyball. <laughs> Understand? Yeah. Just it's stupid. And there's these are people that are, that are PhDs that assign mm -hmm. people to do this. Then they bring in the military. There's I, one of the a couple of the articles I quote. Um, some years ago, okay, some years ago, on well, I used to watch the evening news, which I haven't in like five years, you know. But anyways, they were promoting all over the place SEAL training. Mm -hmm. SEALs are stronger than us. Yeah, they yeah. do all these crazy things. Let's mm -hmm. do SEALs training, okay? About, I don't know, I lose track of time after, after this thing with the um, COVID and stuff, but about three or four years ago, Two seals died in a swimming pool. One of them was from my hometown where I'm living here, Livonia, Michigan. You know what they were doing? They were lifting kettlebells underwater, holding their breath. So he found these two young guys. How do you explain that to the parents and say, look, what are you doing with these guys? We train these guys to kill people, but we got them underwater, holding their breath, lifting kettlebells underwater. So now they were having classes. This is before this happened. But you can go to these health clubs and get these kettlebell classes where you're doing it underwater. You never uh, heard really? of that. <laughs> really? Mm. You never heard? That's that's there's as mm. a level of stupidity. It's not mm. in the dictionary. There's not enough words in the dictionary to describe <laughs> that kind of stupidity. You can't just do your kettlebells <laughs> standing on the side of the pool. You got to go in the bottom of the pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And how? It's marketing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how you but sell a no, new no, program. No, yeah. No, but I mean, who, who, people make this stuff up. Yeah. If that's your training to be a these guys are trained to, to be able to overcome different obstacles, mm. but they're trained to kill people. Mm. It has nothing mm. to do laying at the bottom of a pool with, with a kettlebell holding your breath. Mm. Doing kettlebell actually has nothing to do with, with shooting a rifle, mm. Mm. as far as I know. Anyways, mm. to expand on that, the uh, there's like a CDC, uh, you know, Center of Disease Control, um, mm -hmm. Mm. has to do with the government, or what it is, the government, whatever. Anyways, they did some study and they found out of the people we had in Iraq and Afghanistan, okay? We had people that were medevaced out. We had to get, hel get them out by helicopter because mm -hmm. they had some, some mm -hmm. injuries, okay? Had to be More people were medevaced out of Afghanistan and Iraq, theaters of war, with injuries from sport exercises, lifting weights, playing basketball, then were injured in battle. So it was more dangerous doing the military's exercises <laughs> than it was dodging bullets. That can only happen in America. We only reward stupidity like that mm. in this country. Not too many other countries in the world can award stupidity like that. Mm. I, 
do see your point, but it blows your mind. Then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it does. But let's let's uh, harken back a little bit to that squad. Um, and here's my reasoning behind it. So, or or, or let me just uh, put it like this: you get to the point where they when they decide to bend, when anything yeah. goes, you can sell anything. It's lifting kettlebells underwater, bending halfway for the squat, ruining of a, a, a hundred million dollar baseball player mm. by operating on his knee because his knee hurts when he does half squats. He doesn't have to do half squats. He does full squats. Doesn't bother his knee. Nobody thinks that. You understand? But the reason th this gets balled up is because it comes from academia that uh, people do calculations and they think it all started with a guy in the maybe late 50s, early 60s. He decided that you shouldn't do full squats. His name was Carl Klein. Carl Klein. Carl Klein. K-A-R-L-K-L-E-I-N. And without any evidence whatsoever, the medical community picked that up as, yeah, we shouldn't do full squats. Many years ago, in the 80s, the guy's gone now, but I met him. He was at the University of Texas. And then he, you know, having this discussion briefly as they were walking across campus, he um, he said to me, what do you want to bend uh, that far for anyway? Bob Hoffman says the strongest angle is at 135 degrees, you know, a knee angle bend. But the, the, the dumb part of that is, it, it, see, that's part of the logic of stopping bending is that when you do soccer, you only bend so far. Okay, mm -hmm. so if you put a gaudiometer on their knee, okay, they only bend so far because they're running and kicking. They don't bend even to 90 degrees, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. But what they don't tell you is what happens if you have to fall down and you have to flex your legs to, to dissipate your energy? Then you can't bend because you've never been there. That's what the, in, that's that's what the, where the injury happens. Yeah. yeah, but that's what the Russians would call internal resistance there's different types of internal resistance okay one of them is passive stretch okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you have you have uh mechanisms to protect you from overextending your, your like your arm or your knee so if your joint approach is 180 when you go to mm -hmm. stretch your yeah. arm out okay yeah. yeah the passive resistance of your muscles gives you resistance so you won't be able to blow your shoulder yeah, your it, elbow exactly. out of the yeah, yeah. same thing in the knee that's one the other mm -hmm. one is an internal resistance that you you develop through your tendons and ligaments and muscles of breaking your motion so you won't go down further so you do have to slip and you, instead of like relaxing your muscles and dissipating the energy see if you look at some of these things the videos that have of these women they fall down they completely relax your muscles. The energy's dissipated. It isn't concentrated. Because but if you don't bend, if you don't bend, mm. okay, if you don't bend, the energy's concentrated in your joints. That's the worst thing you can do. That's why that's why you blow apart something you can't blow apart. You can't blow apart tendons because they're too strong to blow apart. You can't blow apart ligaments because they're too if anybody's gonna blow out tendons and ligaments, it'd be weightlifters. And they don't, as we know. Oh, no, but, we, and, get, we, get, we definitely get some injuries. You get elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Of, of, of but course, I'm saying yeah. you'll also any any sport. A Russian put it really well about elite sport. When you get to the elite level of any sport, just sport, weightlifting sport, it has nothing to do with good health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because you're Heard straining your guts. many times. Yeah, that's a good statement. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're straining your guts out. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's dangerous in itself. But mm. by the same token, if you take somebody who's at that level 
and at that level of strain and has a very low injury rate and somebody who's at a very low level of strain has a high injury rate yeah there's yeah. something wrong there's something wrong yeah yeah so my okay, question let me just let you go i have a good talk yeah yeah um my my question would be but and back back to that squad um and i i let me rephrase this so if i get it if you allow if you don't allow your joints to bend and let's use the knee you are creating this internal resistance that when it happens that the knee bends but you are not used to bending this is where injury happens because the energy cannot dissipate on the contrary it concentrates in the joint and then correct. stuff blows out right it's not theory, correct okay so my approach to the squat is i always i think bending the knees to the fullest and going down where ass to the grass hips go down as long as the hip allows it or the, the, the hip structure just bend as far as you can and the knees go over the toes totally fine but there are people who, who experience pain in the knees when they go down into a full squat and that's why they think i have to stop at a certain level push the hips back and and put all the weight on the hips and you're saying no even if somebody experiences this pain in the knees, have them do full squats. Well, you know, I, I have to see it, but I mean, mm. the main thing is, if if they're not used to bending, mm. and you, you, it's a simple rule of thumb is you, you get them used to bending with an empty bar, mm -hmm. okay? And people walking in a squat, walking in a full squat. There was a a guy who um, in the Ukraine that. Uh, when it was part of the Soviet Union, his name was Belayev. He was, became a world champion. Yeah, yeah. I read an he article famous, about it. Yeah. He had a famous coach. And how he, in, in that day, in the, the, the early days of um, when people adopted squat snatch, it was a very, very uh, perilous exercise because you, it's too easy to hold your, too hard to hold your balance. Mm -hmm. So one of the things his coach showed him when they got him was to lift with a stick, squat down, jump forward and backward and sideways to a full squat so you your body has gets this kinesthetic awareness and balance mm -hmm. some years later he was competing in mexico city and he went to lift the world record he lifted um and this tommy kono our many times world champion was a coach then and he saw what witnessed this he lifted 140 in the snatch and then he probably had to wait 15, 20 minutes. So he took 130 kilos. This is 130 kilos. Snatched it in a full squat, hopped forward and back in a low squat <laughs> wow. multiple times, set it down. And he did two or three sets of this while he was waiting. So then when you go out, your body has this balance. Nothing is going to upset you. This, uh, this pen, you've been moved in a pendular way and you find it's easy to find your, but, but it didn't hurt his knees. Let me tell you another quick story. Okay? I was in the Soviet Union in 1979. Always had sore knees. And my best snatch was like 160 kilos. I can only clean a jerk about 182 and a half because my knees are always sore from power snatch and power clean. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm in this gym. And it was a very famous coach that kind of been farmed out to juniors. He was Vlasov's coach. So he sees me. I think I was doing about 100 kilos in a front squat. And I go to squat down. And I stop like just below or around parallel. Mm -hmm. And he comes up and he stands in front of me. 
He says, stop, wait a minute. And he grabbed the bar with both of his hands and leaned on it and forced me down into a squat. <laughs> he pushed, and then he bounced. He pushed me down, he bounced, he bounced, he bounced. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to make it out of here alive. You know, so anyways, I realized that it felt good. And I, for that time, I just started squatting like that. Not that somebody pushed it down, but squatting all the way down, let your shins go as far forward as you can. Mm-hmm. So that the, 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 the loading is distributed through your shank and in your thigh. See, people just think it's a thigh back exercise, hip back exercise, the squat is. But when you squat all the way down, the load uh, shifts to your like soleus muscle, the one that pulls your shin forward and back. Mm-hmm. People just, the textbooks just show use of calf muscles as raising your heel. But when mm-hmm. your feet are on the floor, if your shin tilts forward, those muscles are stretched and then they contract what's called reverse origin. They go move the shin back. That's half of your squat. When you mm-hmm. squat all the way down with your shins forward, that's half of your squat. Your soleus pulling your, your uh your shins forward, backward. Those are the muscles you use first. That's why it's totally wrong when they try to to just look at the knee joint and not yeah. consider all and, the muscles. And, and and you wrote that in your uh, blog there's, post there's as a well. Guy, yeah. There's a guy in uh, some some research guys up in uh, Stanford many years ago. They show they call it a. Um, he said soleus is a muscle that extends. The, shit, the the ankle joint, the knee joint, and the hip joint. So your ankle muscle can actually extend your hip joint because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're interconnected links. Tibia, fibula, hip, all interconnected. Yeah. You move one, you move them all. Yeah. Okay, but they they try to exclude those muscles in the in the ankle joint that they don't exist. And that you know, if you you get people who squat down all the way with particularly with your shins forward, you'll see the calf development. Yeah, and they don't raise their heels. They'll get a, a development in their ankle muscle without uh, uh, raising their heels. Yeah, yeah, and that has to do because they squat down in that bottom position. So and then, all, and let me put it a simple way: you mm. want to use all the muscles in your legs. You don't want to restrict your muscles. So you use all the muscles in your legs when you squat all the way down. You let your shins go uh, bent forward. You use all the muscles to stand up. Mm. If you restrict that. You, you, you decide certain muscles and certain bend for bending isn't isn't worth it and you put yourself make yourself God like God you know if God <laughs> didn't want if God didn't want bones to move he wouldn't have invented joints yeah, exactly. you freeze joints you have a yes. whole profession of people that tape ankle joints yeah tape your feet yeah there's 32 yeah. articulations okay 32 joints in each foot okay? So if you have 32 joints and then your ankle is another joint, that's 33 per ankle joint, right? Per ankle, per foot, an ankle. So typically for a football player and even many other sports, you know, they'll tape up the foot. Then they'll put a shoe on and they'll tape the shoe Mm -hmm. to the ankle. So it's like you just said, you don't need these three, 32 joints. God was wrong. You didn't need to put all those joints in there. God was wrong. (laughs) that's the stupidity of it. <laughs> okay. And but as these as these injuries mount, okay, it's the very idea that you can decide that you don't need to bend. But the main thing is, it's just it's like I said, is that if you if you restrict motion and you tra- you train you, you train Haskell, you just assume you're never going to fall down and you're never going to have to bend further. Okay, the people who bend 
all the way down, generally don't get hurt. If they do fall, they react by they're letting their muscles relax and falling into position they're used to because they're used to mm -hmm. bending down so far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so that's why safe, what they consider unsafe is safe. Mm -hmm. Bending mm -hmm. all the way down is considered unsafe, but that's what's safe. What but they what... say is safe safe safe, that's the article about safe means if I bend only halfway, I'm not going to get hurt. No, that's unsafe. Mm. Sooner or later, you have to bend down. Exactly. So I, I get that point most definitely. But what do you do with people who do experience pain in the knees when they start squatting, especially when they go lower? What would be your recommendation or your I'd prescription? Have to, I'd have to see it. But one of the things I would do is there's other muscles. You know, one of the best warm-ups you can do and i'm sure you guys do something like that is you put your feet wider than shoulder width you know fairly mm -hmm. wide and then do side to side squats if you warm up for the squat doing side to side and with weight put a weight in your hand uh, depending on what shape people are i mean 15 20 kilos and then when you go to like the left side you let your shins bend forward as far as you can. Uh, so you stretch lateral, uh, lateral lunges, right? To the left, to the right, to the left. Uh, right. And you, so you're stretching yourself from your groin to your toe. Yeah, yeah. Okay? All mm -hmm. that's loosened up. Mm -hmm. And generally, if your legs are stiff when you go to squat, it could be other muscles that are stiff. Mm -hmm. You understand? If you have somebody take, you know, I don't know, 10 kilos or something in their hand and go side to side, but as large an amplitude as motion, make a larger uh, move your 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 toe. I mean, bend over so that your your toe is is, is stretched out to mm. you know to mm. um, if as far from your groin where it attaches as you can. Either side, boom, 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 and fast. Okay, so when you go to bend, these muscles automatically release tension. But somebody who doesn't bend like that, that can make your knees hurt because your groin's so tight. And, uh... So, so, so another, okay, now let yeah, me stop yeah. a second. Yeah, There's another muscle people don't even think of. It's called a pectineus. If you look at an anatomy chart, it's a very small muscle that goes like from your bone to your groin on either side. Mm -hmm. And I had severe arthritis in my hips. And I got to the point where my legs just froze. Like I couldn't move my legs apart. So right now I'm sitting on like an exercise ball at my uh, desk. Okay. When you're somebody my age, if you go see the doctor, people just assume you have these diseases. Okay, they ask first. They ask you three things: your knees hurt, your back hurt, and um, let's see, your knees hurt, your, and you fall down. So I know I haven't fallen down. My knees don't hurt, my back don't hurt because I keep them stretched out. Even at my age, it doesn't bother. I should, I should have, you know, bad back, but I, I do swings and stuff, mm. and it just you, you treat the ligaments. And tendons in your back and your disc like a pile of springs, stretched mm. on springs. Mm. A cheetah, when a cheetah runs, it bows its back, it bows like this as it springs, and all of those ligaments stretch out when they recoil. That's why it can go so fast. It isn't just some muscles, it's like a recoiling spring. Wow. Yeah. You want to see something impressive? I think it's the. Um, there's, there's videos on YouTube of cheetahs, but there's one in particular. It's the, uh, I can't think of the name of it, um, but it's a video of a cheetah chasing down other animals. It just takes your breath away how fast the animal moves, but how fast it cuts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these yeah. women that are going to 
get injured this week in the World Cup soccer, that's when they get injured. Okay, in football, most often that's when people get injured. They're they're changing direction. They're to, they're torquing yeah. to one side. The cutting. The cutting. Yeah. Okay. When you go to chase somebody, when you one animal's chasing somebody, the, the like a, a dog can't catch a chipmunk. Yeah, I don't know what you call it, or, or a squirrel. Okay, because a squirrel is slower, but it can make rapid turn. It can t- lean its body. In order for you to turn, if you look at these things, the cheetah, cheetah is leaning over at such an angle. It's called the uh, toppling over force. The amount of force on your or stress on that inside leg is massive, but that's where your strength is. You can take make these rapid changes of direction, and that's what can't, people can't do. They can't do it. They can't do it in football. They can't do it in soccer. And so the, 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 to prevent the injuries in soccer, they say, well, you're not going to bend that far. Yeah. So I want you to run after them, then turn, get the ball, but keep your legs straight. <laughs> you understand how stupid you know, the enemy is? But, but still, but still, but I, I, there should be, if there are, there's a lot of money involved in these sports. There's a lot of, let's say like uh, very, um, there's a lot of knowledge in, in that sport. There's a lot of academia in that sport. So some day, somebody should stand up or at least see what's happening. I love how you described in your blog post that the NFL and the NBA, they even have centers for their injuries because it happens so often that they now put these these uh, centers to treat the injuries in their own camps or whatever have you because it happens so often. They call the, these guys that... These kids at Alabama were engineering students. I mean, what happens is when you have a football game, there's you know tens of thousands of people watching mm-hmm. plus TV. Mm-hmm. So somebody gets in there on the field, they come off, they throw a towel on his face because he's crying in pain. So what they did is they invented what they call the injury tent. So this, they have a, a table like a examination table that can be fold. There's a tent that folds over. Okay, so now they, there's so many injuries and these tents are so ubiquitous. But now they're calling them the medical tent. You don't go in there for an injury. You just go in there for like an exam, you know, and then hold your tongue out. You know, it's just, it's, it's a joke. But and I mean, it should, but, that, but it, the, the, the part of it is that the medical community and the, 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 the parts of it that are an extension of medical, the physical therapists, yeah, the yeah, trainers, yeah. they control this. They control yeah. all medical things. Okay. So then, You're trying to tell them that they're causing the trouble. They're going to say, no, you're, it's, it's you guys. It's the shoes. It's the turf. There was a study. Let me give an example. There was a study in one of these articles I had just put up. There was a new study out. It was a, in the British Medical Journal, I think, about hamstring injuries. Hamstring injuries had been a problem for uh, how many years? I don't know. So I juxtaposed two quotes. One of them was in 2002 from the literature that said, um, We've been trying to prove that a 60% ratio of quad to hamstring strength, okay? Your hamstring should be 60% of the strength of your quadriceps. Okay. And then you'll be safe from a hamstring injury. Okay. They've been trying to do that for 30 years. This was a quote from 2002. Okay. We're not there yet. Okay. So, we'll go forward to 2023. The British Medical Journal says, incidence hasn't changed. So you have the same number of hamstring injuries as you've always had. Now you have 50 years of research. 50 years of research from these people. Plus, inventing exercise like Nordic curls. Nordic, that's the dumbest thing you can do. Don't ever do that exercise. 
Very pop, do, very popular on YouTube. I don't care what it is. Don't ever do the exercise. And I'll tell you why. Okay, let me tell you, because I got off the subject here. But anyways. Yeah, keep going. So you have, most people don't realize, but the calf muscle, there's three base main muscles in the back of your calf. It's called the triceps surrey. That's gastrocnemius. Mm -hmm. There's two heads. Mm -hmm. Then the soleus. Okay, mm -hmm. that's where the leverage is. But the soleus doesn't cross the knee. The gastroc crosses the knee. So in kinesiology, it's called a thigh muscle. So it overlaps the knee. And then the hamstring muscles cross over that. When they attach the knee, they cross over. So that's a, a point of, of uh, I call it choke point. Mm -hmm. So when you do um, with Nordic curls, I put a picture up to make fun of the guy. Mr. Knees Over the Toes guy, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very okay, popular. Listen, listen, listen. I don't care if it's popular or not. If it's popular, you don't want to do it. If it's popular, okay. you don't want to do it. I, I get it. Look yeah. at, he's, if you look at the picture, that's what's picking him up is the gastroc. It isn't the hamstrings. It's the gastroc muscle. Because they cross. So those are, and, that, and then the exercise. When I was in the Soviet Union the first time, okay, uh, in Strength and Health, before I went over there, there were pictures of... Uh, Alexiev was doing uh, bends over a horse, okay? So I went over to the Soviet Union. I saw they were doing, still doing that, but they had a different setup where they had these straps against the wall, and you put your feet in the straps. Mm -hmm. So then I was doing it. They were showing, you know, I was doing it like they were doing. And then when you put your feet in these straps and you have a flat surface, you push with your ankles, and you can pick yourself yeah. way up the horse. Yeah. And then yeah. you, could, you could feel all those muscles in the back. Mm -hmm. And I used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then some years later, I was in. Is that uh, glute? Is that that glute, glute ham race machine? I, I invented it. Okay. Mm. Not only did I mm. invent the concept, because I was a student of kinesiology in graduate school, and I, mm. I wrote papers which your friend Michael Yeses didn't didn't publish. Yeah, he took credit for that. I did. Anyways, long story short, mm. I'm doing this, and then a commercial explosion of commercial machines came on the market. Yeah, yeah. I even had one in my 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 gym. Man, I'll oh do mm -hmm. And one time I was over and uh, I'm on a trip to Poland and I'm getting ready to do a back squat and I step out of the rack with the weight. It wasn't a big weight. And I ruptured my calf muscle. And I realized that's the second time. It was the left one instead of the right one. And I put two and two together is when I shorten those muscles, your knee doesn't want to straighten. Okay, you shorten those muscles, all you do is make it worse. When you get a hamstring injury, the hamstring injury is it's called late uh swing phase okay it isn't when you're flexing your hamstring it is when your your lay feet are on the ground mm -hmm. it's when your foot is is in the air your foot's when you i say my i'm, I'm pushing off my left foot as i'm mm -hmm. running is like my right foot is getting ready to mm -hmm. touch the ground mm -hmm. just before it touches the ground that's when you blow your hamstring so when you straight your leg out okay when you go to stretch your leg out it's that resistance that causes the hamstring to pull and it's the passive resistance of your muscles and, and and that passive resistance comes from which muscle then? You can make it, making the whole complex tight, which the Nordic curls will. It'll, it'll tighten your your your, your uh, gastroc that crosses the knee. It'll tighten the hamstring. So when you go to stretch your leg out, all you've done is make it worse. You've created internal resistance. Even if you do an eccentric, it is the same. It's I have a picture on one of the, there's a couple of articles. One of the articles is a picture of me and then my daughter, I have my daughter doing exercises on video, okay? There's one in the original articles and there's one in misinformation. But if you see the picture of the guy with his foot on the door, that's me. 
who kicked his foot on the, I could do that and snatch 160 kilos. So here's a door jam. See here? Mm-hmm. Here's the door. I could put my foot above my head and stick it on the door. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And none of us in weightlifting rarely get hamstring injuries. We're really in hamstring injuries because we don't do these exercises that tighten up that whole group, that whole chain. It isn't just the hamstring muscles that attach on the hip and cross the knee. It's the gastroc that crosses the knee from the bottom and your ankle. So you take three choke points, ankle joint, knee joint, and hip mm-hmm. joint. All of mm-hmm. those have to stretch out. So when you go to when you go to run, a springer goes to run, just before they that, that foot hits the ground, is when they blow the hamstring out because you're stretching your knee out violently. And it, it has to be able to stretch like a bowstring. Mm. You look mm-hmm. at guys like uh, javelin throwers. These guys will plant and almost yeah. hyperextend their knees. So yeah. they don't have a problem. They don't have a problem. A massive strain on that whole chain. Uh, these, uh, uh, not mm-hmm. hammer throwers, but uh, javelin throwers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, so- these are the... These are things you get caught up into, you know, with the, when you look at injuries and stuff. And, and that's that's such a valuable point. What I'm trying to now just uh, analyze to a certain extent, because you're sharing so much information, I'm trying to keep up, <laughs> is um, this uh, internal resistance. So, and, and let's take on that ham, hamstring injury. So the guy or the gal is stretching the legs because they are running, running at full speed. So that's what you have to do when you run, you stretch out the leg. And right before it touches the floor, this is where the hamstring injury does happen. And the literature says, yes, that's what the literature says. Multiple papers, you know. Okay, okay. And so the reason why, just for me to understand this clearly, the reason why is because you have built up internal resistance because you've isolated different parts of this of this triple extension group, the 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 the, the ankle, the knee, and the hip, instead of working it as a unit. Yeah, but it, it has to, at some point, those muscles have to work like a bowstring. A bowstring is taut, but you pull it back, and yep. then it snaps back. back it, yep. it, it loses its springiness. And by the way, there is no triple extension. There is that's That was a myth that dates back to the days of the press in weightlifting. And I have quotes on different, from Zasiorsky, from uh, a Russian named Zhekov, once your knees reach an angle, when you're pressing down, you're trying to violently extend your legs, say in pool mm-hmm. or jumping. Yeah, yeah. Once your knees reach an angle of 165, your body starts to break the motion, slow it down. So you're doing nothing anyways. So going beyond, trying to go beyond that, trying to go beyond that is counterproductive. The whole thing, the whole, these myths, okay, a Bulgarian squat. There is no Bulgarian. You know what Bulgarian squat? The guy squats. Yeah, yeah. That's a Bulgarian squat. I've been to Bulgaria, I don't know how many times, okay? My whole day in Bulgaria would be get up, eat breakfast, go sit in the gym before the the competition starts. I'd stay there until lunch or something. I'd work out. I might skip lunch, stay in there all day. Then I'd go to the competition. So this is the time I've been to Bulgaria. That's all I've done is watch lifting, eat, and sleep. Mm -hmm. Now... One day I went into the gym in Sofia and the kids are not there yet. So I put my feet on this table and took a nap. Okay. I was maybe sleeping for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
Now, it's entirely possible that some guy ran in and did some Bulgarian squats with my <laughs> okay, eyes closed. Okay. okay. That's the only time my eyes were closed in the gym. Okay. Somebody could have done a Bulgarian squat. So it's, <laughs> yes. it's, they say the same bullshit over and over again. Hmm. You go to Bulgaria, they don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's a dumb hmm. exercise. If you look at a Russian lunge, I'll send you, maybe I'll send you a picture of a Russian lunge yeah, where the guy has a kettlebell. Yeah. He has a kettlebell behind his neck. Right. His yeah. back leg is completely straight. His front leg is stretched out and his ankle is, is, is bowed. So you have a massive long motion. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a lunge. Okay. That's a lunge. A Bulgarian lunge is some bullshit that somebody made up. Okay. That's some bullshit that somebody made up for bodybuilding. If bodybuilders want to do that, that's fine. But it isn't going to contribute to athletics. You want all those muscles in your legs. Like if you're doing a, a lunge with your, your back leg stretch, you want all those muscles yeah. that go across. They're called biarticular muscles because they cross two. They're like cords. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're like, they're like bowstrings from your hip crossing your knee and, and from the ankle crossing the knee. You want those things to stretch out and recoil just like a bowstring. Okay. Mm. So balling them up isn't going to help you. And but making up with, the, with the Bulgarian squat, what I know or what, what people are saying is you're isolating the, the, the working leg. That's why you put that rear yeah. leg up. Yeah. Well, they, they don't do, first of all, they don't do such a thing. If you want to do that, also, they don't bend all the way down. They don't mm. bend all the way down. Mm. Okay. And what you're trying to do, you could just just as easily do with a with a, a nice front squat or back squat. Yeah, yeah. exercise uh, yeah, your legs. And yeah. go. Okay, but if mm. you did want to lunge, there's some picture. There's some videos of um, uh, this this gym in Russia where um, the Soviet Union, where Rigert and Alexiev trained, and Plukfelder was a coach. It was a famous gym. It was a rat hole in the basement of this place. And Alexiev's doing lunge. He has a weight on his chest, and he steps forward fast and far recoils and then puts the other leg forward and back it's like that it's a dynamic mm. exercise it just, isn't some this, converted uh, bodybuilding exercise you don't do something for bodybuilding that's your business okay uh -huh. but it isn't not for, for athletics. athletics yeah mm -hmm. particularly if you have to slip and fall or something okay yeah. I mean, these muscles these yeah. long muscles these groin muscles these uh, hamstrings the, the rectus femoris across two joints mm. you want those things to stretch out Mm. And you I don't think, want to have to think about it. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is including bodybuilding exercises for athletics, which is so rampant, right? Well, see what happened. It's also in the progress. I have a, articles up there about uh, there was no system. And what I did is I traced the evolution of the power, the evolution of the power rack, how it got in the United States. All right. And so starting in 1960, Strength, uh, the York Barbell Company advertised this rack, which you can see. You can't go in a gym in the United States. Okay? You can't go in a, a collegiate high school or professional gym without seeing these racks, right? Mm -hmm. And I trace that to the decline in American weightlifting in the 50s. It's because people embraced isometrics. And the magazine that had the, the only information we had was Strength Health Magazine often was making money off of protein and he had to sell magazines, so he had bodybuilding in there. So you saw yeah, bodybuilding and weightlifting and powerlifting. So people just were confused as to what the uh, hell I was mix, doing. Mixing and matching it. Oh. Let me do some powerlifting squats, and it'll yeah. help my Olympic lifting. And it wouldn't. It made it worse. Hmm. It, it confused, and that's yeah. the same thing you have today. 
-hmm. And then you've got people making up things like functional training and these other things are making up things that don't exist. That mm -hmm. don't exist to sell programs. Yeah. yeah. No, no, there marketing. Was, I saw yeah. some, I saw a new low in moral depravity. I went to this, this strength and conditioning association conference and this guy get up and he went on for an hour. He was a chiropractor said he hurt his back doing squats and he kept saying, well, look at this is to avoid butt wink. Okay. So he went through all these gyrations and, and you know, this is why this is your back will round. It's because your ankles don't move forward. If you try to squat with your legs straight, your ankles, your lower back's going to So wait, then, then, then it, this went on for an hour. Then he invented some other exercise. This is an exercise you could do. You know what? If you just put your ankles bent, why? Because we think it's bad. No, it, it, you don't have any proof for that. So anyways, at the end, he has these three exercises. You lay down on the floor. I forget exactly what position. He's like on his hands and knees. And he says, when I do this to prepare my, my trunk to do my squats, I, I pull my, my gut in, and then I, I just make this yell, like, ah! Okay. <laughs> okay. Get this. There must have been 200 people, PhDs, educated people in this room. Then he says, okay, let's all do this together. And he, he starts doing this scream, and all these people start doing it. He started going, ah! Tight my, and everybody did this. I thought it was in an insane asylum. <laughs> okay. It was a closed door in Sane Asylum. A closed door, yes. All right, so a lot of myth busting going on, but it's exactly what I was expecting. That's why I'm so happy that I've invited you on. So, and uh, I have uh, a couple of more minutes, and then I have to close. But one, one more question, but about the Nordic curl. Um, oh, now let's let's put it even in a more general sense. I tell you what, and and the, give me a second, give me a second, but give me a second. I I I need to ask you this question before we get lost with this, um, a general, can we assume in a general sense, if we start limiting the ranges of motions that our joints naturally have, problems happen. And if we start limiting, for example, I do like the Nordic curl, which, which builds up the, the calf muscles, which then can cause tr uh, problems in, in when we start running because they, they don't work with the hamstring muscles again or whatever have you that causes problems as soon as we start isolating and limiting movement. Is that true? Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. Yeah, there's two articles. At least one of them is in the misinformation, but you see there's two articles about hamstrings. One of them is in like in the original article section. And that's right. That's the guy with his foot on the door. That's me. Okay. The, 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 the woman doing the stretches, the videos, that's my daughter. Okay. And, Never had a hamstring problem in lifting, okay? But also, I go through the literature, what the literature says, and then in misinformation, I have something about hamstring, another article about hamstrings, which I cover the Nordic stuff and, you know, how dumb this is. And then the guy's showing this, and, you know, I took a picture right off of his uh, video. No one's ever complained, okay? But this is exact. you're trying to tell me this is for your hamstrings, and you see, your, you can just see the, ca the gastroc muscles tensing and all you're doing is, is 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 shortening and creating more resistance when you go to straighten your leg and that's what the literature that I didn't make that up the literature says that the people who go mm -hmm. out and measure this mm -hmm. and and then you know the guys who blow their ankle out or their hamstring out find out when they go to straighten your leg up mm -hmm. if the NFL had at the end of the season last year had 45 hamstring guys on hamstring injury reserve from hamstring mm -hmm. 
45. And that's a non-contact injury. If somebody didn't fall on you, you were just running and then it blew you apart. You were running, yeah, and nothing, no external and then, and then force. One of the hamstring yeah. injuries, things I show a guy doing those, and then I have a picture, a video capture of him on the field grabbing his hamstring. I'm supposed to prevent that. Okay? So, anyways, it's, um, that's the stuff I'm... And the research. I want to send you. I want to send you a picture. This Russian. Yeah, uh, please do. Please do. Of this, yeah. of this guy doing a lunge with a kettlebell behind his neck. Yeah, please do. It's just an ordinary. From the education system of the Soviet Union, it's an ordinary exercise. That's how you do things. You stretch out. You don't shorten up. And one one thing, uh, but you keep quoting or you keep saying the word research. Are you, are you referring to the? To the Soviet Union research, to to this type of method from these guys, or to the research that is everywhere available. Use all of it, and the ones that, that is excluded is the ones the guys who, who can give you the most con some of the best ideas are the animal guys, the guys who study animals. And the best thing about studying animals is no people telling animals what to do. Mm -hmm. They do it and, by, you know, by nature. For instance, it's like a frog. Okay, okay, for, the, one of them was I quote from the guy. A frog can't jump as far as it can jump. If you take all the muscle mass it has, the jumping muscles, and contract as hard as it can, it can't go as far. The only reason it can go as far is before it, it jumps, it, it's in a full squat like, and it tenses its muscles. Then it, it creates what's called strain energy, like a spring. It makes a spring. So then when it takes off, that spring adds extra energy to the muscles and it can go further. Nobody tells it what to do. Nobody's analyzing it what to do. <laughs> and these things with, with, and this is the same thing with um, animals and stuff. And the, the guys who study those, you don't have that human element, that academic element. They're just trying to figure out how they go so fast and what they, what they do. And you you can that's why these articles have integrated that, hmm. all of that Soviet, uh, Western research, you know, hmm. and then the stuff that you wouldn't think. Like I said, this Russian guy told me his name was Lukashov. He said that's how I learned more about weightlifting, studying animals. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have somebody thinking. Animals yeah. don't think. Yeah, they just do. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a good point. And what would be your general recommendation for somebody when it comes to squatting and, and that stuff? Just can we say, go as far down as you can, allow as much range of motion as possible, don't limit the joints, and that's how you're supposed to move. Correct. And, you know, I, I, I hate to add the extra one to it is that, you know, when that one. The Russians told me this too. He says, when you go down, you can find it in the literature. You squat all the way down and you bounce a few times. Yeah. Which is completely, people over here say, that's oh, you're going to hurt yourself. Okay. My daughter has been bouncing and doing uh, lifts and squats. Mm. Every repetition of squats is bounced two or three times at the very bottom. Mm. It has never even pulled on a knee sleeve, let alone had knee pain. Mm. Never even put a knee sleeve on. This is. Uh... But finally, okay. finally, but let, let me show you something I have to because uh, are you aware of um, starting strength and Mark Ripito? Yes. And he advocates the back squat where mm -hmm. you push the hips back, all the load is on the hips, you bend the knees, but to a 90 degree angle with the, with the bar on your back. What do you make of this squat? Totally wrong. He's completely <laughs> full of shit. Okay. Yeah. If he, he, I've, I've spoken at a, at a conference one time at, at um, 
uh, I can't think of the university. When these guys are there in person, they see you. Okay, they see me. They're not so aggressive. They're like peeing their pants. Because they're, they're just making, that's, that's a classic thing of somebody making something up. Okay, if you want to convert, one thing people have done in that group, they've been trying to convert powerlifting to Olympic lifting. And it's never worked. Okay. It'd be much easier to take a, a professional kettlebell play, lifter and convert him to Olympic lifting than it would be a powerlifter. Powerlifter is impossible. Kettlebell is dynamic. For what, for what reason? For what reason? No, I'm just saying if you wanted to convert somebody, mm-hmm. powerlifting to Olympic lifting, it's never happened. And so what these guys do with the with the back squat and is, is making this stuff up like that, is that you can't do Olympic lifting if you squat like that. So you have no idea what he's talking about. You can't teach yourself to lean full, backward when you have to drop under a weight to clean it or snatch it. So nobody squats like that if you want to do Olympic lifting. If you, want squat it, like that, if you want to squat like that, that's fine. But it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with Olympic lifting, and it has nothing to do uh, with okay. athletics. Okay, okay, okay. Because okay. There you go. There you go. You're, you're playing God and deciding this is how the motion, hmm. how the joints work. Hmm. You're, you're deciding. But, but he's but he, he advocates, or at least they say, that there is more muscle mass involved in this type of squat. And, and with the differences with this Olympic squat, where you have it on the back and you keep the upper back fairly upright, like in a front squat, and you go as far down as you can, there is, there is the difference, he says. With the back squat, there's more muscle involved. No, no, that's comp- not only is it completely wrong, but hmm. the weak link in the human body is the lumbar spine. So teaching you yeah. to put more pressure yeah. on the lumbar spine, that's like I told you, it's your lumbar, when you, the, the most common injury in weightlifting is a, is a back injury. And it's associated with clean pulls and big squats where you're leaning and you're leaning forward and uh, you're straining. Okay? So teaching somebody to do a leaning okay. forward straining squat okay. is, the, is the complete. And also you don't develop your ankle muscles. Yeah, because they stay, they stay, they stay fairly fixed. Yeah, in, in this type the, of squat. The thing is, the thing is, for, for a young guy like you, you're coming up with the internet and a wild west of ability to see information on YouTube and stuff. Okay? Yeah. yeah. How do you judge that? Yeah, it's hard to okay. show. You show me the list yeah. of all the people this guy's produced. He didn't produce nobody. He didn't produce nobody. Mm. I could go to your gym if you're doing decent exercises mm. with kettlebells. Mm. And you're bending and stuff. I can take somebody out of there and, and convert them to Olympic lifting very quickly, because mm. you're moving and you're moving your body and you're bending. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you go to a gym they, with restricted motion, you can convert anybody to, to uh, dynamic mm. sports. So, and just for me to re- reiterate this point, even if it is for just normal people. Normal people who want to train, who want to do it for, you know, uh, for their health reasons, get in shape and become stronger, all the good stuff that's, that's attached to these, to improving these physical qualities. Even for normal people like this, if you do a barbell squat, you have it on your back, you go down as far as you can, you let everything bend, you come back up. There's no difference, right? You don't make a difference between that's a weightlifting squat that a weightlifter is supposed to do or a squat that just normal people do. You just allow motion to its fullest potential done i totally agree oh, okay it's a, it's a, the question that people get in trouble with is they then they want to lift the big weight and they strain themselves okay that's totally different from like you just said someone who's exercising for good health mm-hmm. and mobility mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. need to lift the heavy weight mm-hmm. if you do yeah. it in, in, in good form 
with a large range of motion, you get a lot of benefit from it. Mm. Okay. But this, <laughs> there's a lot of myth busting, a lot of information. Wow, this was so, this was so good. And, yeah, and right. we have to do this again. I have to invite you again because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not exempt from this. I listen to guys like Mark Repito. I, I watch YouTube. I, I, I read Verkhoshansky. I read uh, uh, Dr. Michael Yeses. I read your stuff. And now I'm trying to grow my level of discernment to understand, okay, what can we use and what, what is stuff that we should rather disregard but um yeah that that's exactly why i invited you and i really appreciate it the same thing is with with yeses and these guys that you have to do you actually produce people in a gym when i was in the soviet union i went into a gym a friend of a friend let me go into this army base and the guy there who was who was kind of semi not retired but he was still active he was vlasov's coach but somebody like that's been in a gym for 45 years has physically worked with bodies mm -hmm. he hasn't been studying books he hasn't made stuff up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he sees how things are done mm -hmm. okay he understands technique and because he he's taught hundreds of guys okay that's that's the that's the knowledge base in this all of this do you have the gym experience can you show me somebody okay yeah yeah i, I use my my daughter as an example my daughter wasn't just weak she was pathetically weak hmm. she made two international teams I was telling somebody that she was, we were watching some of the girls from the USA team squad or somebody at the, in the world championships and they're, you know, they're squatting like 130 kilos or something. And they, they snatched about 85. Well, my daughter mm. snatched over 90. If you put 130 kilos on her shoulders and had her bend her knees, she'd go straight through to China. You know, because it wouldn't even stop. Okay. It isn't, there's a skill you, you, when you, if you're using stuff, you know, like, Ripito and stuff makes this stuff up for when you go out on you're training skilled athletes above and beyond. It's one thing to play around in the gym. It's another thing to go out on a, on a, on a athletic field, a soccer field, a football field, a basketball court and do dynamic things and do skilled things. Mm -hmm. And if you stiffened yourself up mm -hmm. doing these bodybuilding stuff, show me where you've produced something and you haven't produced injuries mm -hmm. doing these restrictive motions. Show me where you've produced something. Mm -hmm. Do you have that heuristic that you've been in the gym? Yeah, working with people. This guy, yeah. like I said, this one, this Russian guy, I mean, the guy that was pushing the weight on my chest, not pushing me down with it, he's been in there 50 years. He knows it isn't going to hurt your knees. Yeah, yeah, he knows. Yeah, because it's the vast experience. That's, and I, then, it, yeah. And then, mm -hmm. also under the Soviet Union, you didn't have all this explosion of bullshit that you can look at, understand, mm -hmm. on YouTube. And anybody can be an expert. Yeah. Anybody exactly. can be an expert yeah. on YouTube. No, this is, it's a great it's a great vehicle, you know, but uh, but by the same token, you have to be able to distinguish between yeah someone who's just selling something yeah to complete huckster. I mean, you know, we had a, mm -hmm. you know, and that's happened in this country. Oh, this guy they just busted with the crypto, the you know that was you know that had this this massive fraud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and people are susceptible. FTX, yeah, FTX. Yeah, but if you guy. just look at the guy, look at his face, look at him. Yeah. He ha he just exudes hucksterism. But everybody, but everybody believed him. All the suits believed him. So and I think it's exactly, similar. Yeah, it's yeah. similar to to the sports situation. And and you know, with, with with YouTube, like you said, it's a great vehicle. And you know, I I am probably. Uh, mea culpa. It's probably my, I've made mistakes on YouTube as well with my channel that, that I've put out stuff, and and now I'm learning and and I'm trying to discern stuff and understand, and I want to move forward. And 
when I hear uh, um, uh, what you're saying, it goes completely against what I know and what I believe. Then I want to go back to, uh, and, and that's why I'm saying you have to send me some more uh, articles, some more material that I'm supposed to read because when I hear stuff that goes against what I know, I always want to uh, learn because I think, okay, maybe I don't know enough. So I have to put in the work and learn a little bit more. And the other thing that you've mentioned about marketing and selling, selling programs, there is an important aspect about marketing that you have to engage in, in order to sell stuff. I, I agree that this is that you have to do this or, or you won't sell, but you can still do this in a, in a respectable and in an honest manner. That's, but let, that's let, the point. Just, the reason, that the, one of the two things that attracted me to the Soviet literature, one, irregardless of what program or something somebody said, um, it was the, the line of thinking, mm. the, the logic of thinking. They said, you understand you how you can attack a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other one is that none of this existed. You couldn't make any money at this stuff. So people who publish stuff, pub, they were just academic stuff. It's either true or it isn't true. Mm -hmm. When you talk about somebody selling you a, a back squat, that's <clears throat> totally different. That's completely, totally different. Dif different incentive. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And so mm -hmm. you have to judge it from that standpoint. It could be correct. These things could be correct, but by the same token, there's always, uh, I heard a lecture, like I said, at this conference, this woman got up and she did a, an hour lecture about the uh, menstrual cycle and, and training. So let me first, she put it on the screen. She says, let me first show you my conflicts of interest. And she had like Gatorade and I don't know how many other people. Mm -hmm. So already I should have just got up and left. Okay, so somebody's paying her to do this bullshit. <laughs> then she's doing all this. She goes through all this research and then she's talking about, um, uh, the diet, you know, because this is where the Gatorade comes in, mm -hmm. and we were we were trying to co coordinate the diet and the menstrual cycle, this part of the month, and but but at the end of it, we have to do more research. That means give me more money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me more money. Exactly. Give me more money. Okay? Yeah, it, yeah. So so there's conflicts of interest, or the incentive is the problem. Yes, we have to make money, but it still has to. I, I it's in the way I see it is yes, I have to make money with what I do. But I'm on a quest for truth. And this quest for truth requires for me to change my opinion if it's wrong or if it's outdated. One of the things is you, this is this guy I like. Um, he has people interview him a lot on, on YouTube. His name is Douglas Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a no. conservative guy. And he yeah, has, he read has, some of his of books. His, yeah. One of the theme is that if you don't go somewhere, not too many people travel enough, so you don't have a you know a viewpoint of what happens. Mm -hmm. So I go to all these world championships and these European championships, and then you can see a clear delineation when you go to the training hall to see people training. The teams that have discipline. When you talk mm -hmm. about methods and stuff, any method can work if, if you have discipline. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the most disciplined teams were like the Chinese teams, but mm -hmm. the discipline of all in a, in a level all of its own is North Korea. Totally. North Korea, North Korea. Mm -hmm. And that's like, wow. it's the last Stalinist state on earth. And I remember by accident, my daughter and I, we went to the uh, banquet at the end of the world championships mm. and we just by accident, the only open table was all the North Koreans came and sat and ate with us. Mm. And the kids wouldn't talk. They only ate rice. They, when the coach sat down, they brought up this big yeah. plate of rice with meat 
and the coach got the, the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely <laughs> different. Yeah. Pure, pure discipline. Yep. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Okay? The, I don't know if it's true, but at the Asian Champ Games, I was that in 2000, uh, whatever it was, 14. The one guy Nat told me that uh, Ohm worked out the day after he lifted when he won the, the Asian Games because he got extra <laughs> servings of rice with his meal that day. Right, not Gator, not some fancy. Not Gatorade, protein, no. no. No, not some fancy protein bars and uh, Some whatever. good old uh, unprocessed food, just some normal yeah. food. That That's what helped and him. Those kids <laughs> that I saw in 2014, the North Koreans, they grew up in the wake of the, of the Great Famine at the end of the 90s. And I swear some of them had some weird, I mean, to me, I don't know, I, I don't have that, um, you know, knowledge of it, but I think that if you grow up and you have a, 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 a you have minimum amount of calories, it looked like mm. their heads were bigger, their arms were shorter. And then, then I don't know if that was true or not, but anyways. Mm. Mm. Okay. So but anyways, when people have these systems, like I say, they train them without discipline, they're worthless. Mm. That's mm. the main driver that's the main that's thing. Yeah. everybody. You got to have that discipline. Mm. Amen. Amen to this. But and I think we can end it on this uh, powerful quote at the end. Uh, but I really I, I hope you're open to doing this again. This sure. I think you are a wealth of knowledge that that I want to uncover a little bit more uh, 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 knowledge from. Uh, I highly appreciate your time, but this has been very eye-opening. If you want to take your kettlebell coaching career to the next level, consider getting certified with Libby Stock. Check the first link in the description.